<laughs> Caught that, did you? <laughs> Amen. Uh, thank you, Winter Church, for having us. I hope that we've been a blessing to you. Oh, yeah. We love to be in. We love that we're in relationship with one another. Oh, that's and uh, we love your pastors very dearly. Oh, yeah. And I'll tell you something about long-term uh, serving the Lord. We can't stress to you how much it is for us preachers that we have long-term relationships with people. Because, you know, so many people within our lives come and go as preachers and ministers. And, boy, when God has, has put people in your life that are supposed to be there until you go home to be with Jesus, boy, it is awesome. It is awesome. I was just saying that to Ted just a moment ago. We, I've known Ted a long time. I've known Ted as long as I've known Pastor Ziggy. Because, you know, they kind of came together. <laughs> it, was, it was a package deal. <laughs> but... But uh, it's it's been, we and we've got to watch each other grow up, <laughs> and and go through things and grow through things, and serve the Lord together. And you know what we found? We found that God is faithful. Amen. We found that what God says He's going to do, He will do. Amen. We can trust in the Lord. Amen. It's good to see you, Cynthia. Praise God. Thank you for being here tonight. Well, I tell you, God is good. Praise the Lord. I'm supposed to pray for this lady right here. Yes, can I pray for you just real before we even get started? Hallelujah. Let's, let's just pray. Father, we thank you so much. I ask you to encourage my sister. I ask you, Lord, to lift her up and encourage her. Lord, show that you are the strength of her life. Lord, that you're the one who braces her up that holds her up against the winds that blow. Sister, I see winds that blow against you. But for some reason, and you've wondered why, why, why am I still standing? Well, it's because the Lord is holding you up, and he's not going to let you fall. He's not going to let you go. And boy, the enemy might try to do things against you, but you know what? Every one of them shall fail. And, you know, it won't always look like it's going to fail. I'll tell you, sometimes the armies gather around us, and we're like, this is it, and then it's over. And so the Lord is using you as a witness, using you as a sign and a wonder to others because there are others that watch and see the storms of your life, and they, they, they question, they wonder, is this it too? And yet it's not. Here you remain. You stand. And I'll tell you, even the current thing that you're going through shall fail that the enemy yes. is doing. Yes. Yes. It shall fail, and the Lord will deliver you, and he will give the testimony, and you'll just simply be who you are. Hallelujah. So I declare it in over you in Jesus' name and by the blood of the Lamb. Be encouraged, sister. He props you up, holds you up, and he's going to keep doing it. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. I don't know about you, but I, I'm, I'm getting a hold of that one myself. Amen. <laughs> I'm getting a hold of that one myself. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The Lord is good. He's good all the time. <laughs> Let's worship him a moment. Lord, we love you. 
Oh, Lord, we love you. Thank you. Thank you for being our strength. Blessing us, encouraging us. Thank you, Father. <laughs> In the name of Jesus. <laughs> we love you, Father. We love you. We love you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Man, God's good. God is good. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God bless you, sister. I, I'm glad that ministered to you. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Be encouraged. Be strengthened. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, I, I, I really questioned this time, why are we supposed to come to Winter's Church? You know, your pastor heard the Lord, and he, he, told, me, he told me at the beginning of the, this year that, that he had heard the Lord say that we were supposed to come quite a bit this year. And we have. I think this is number six within a year. And uh, that's, <laughs> you got to know me too because I'm a homebody. I don't mind getting out every now and then, but I don't like to get out much. Amen. <laughs> and we live in an area that's not, not like the city here. It's more rural. And, uh, and so uh, when, he, when he said that to me, it was, God was stretching me. God was pulling me out of my my comfort zone. My wife can tell you that that's just me. I like home and I want to stay home. And, you know, I like to go on vacation once in a while, but I like staycations better than, than vacations. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so anyway, God, uh, your pastor had, has asked me to come. And as this time I was like, well, I'm not sure what is going on with, with us supposed to come. Because usually I'll, I'll hear something ahead of time and I'll know ahead of time. And this time... I really wasn't connecting with, with really the plan until uh, really this afternoon after I pondered this morning. And I realized that, that the Lord really wants me to talk to you about, again, about the things that we talked about this morning. And just kind of share my heart as a, as, a, as a minister, as a Christian, my perspective of things, and really give you encouragement. And tonight, I, I believe we're supposed to pray over fear and we're supposed to pray over that that cloud that seems to be creeping up because you know I, it took me a moment over this last several weeks to to connect with what I was feeling because I was feeling a terrible anxiousness and a terrible uh uneasiness and and I thought I thought you know I was just under attack by the devil so my my position is I'm going to resist that because God didn't give me the spirit of fear until I realized that a lot of it had to do with the Holy Spirit drawing me into a place of intercession. So I want you to kind of discern and separate the difference between when fear comes, but when the Lord is calling you, it can seem or feel eerily uh, similar. But, it, but I'll tell you, there, but I've heard this from other ministers, other pastors that I've talked to recently. Uh, my pastor, Pastor Tom, uh, he told me just a few days ago, he said, man, I thought that I was getting depressed. I thought, my God, what is this depression that has come upon me? And he said, I realized that it's the intercession, the spirit of intercession over the things that are happening. And here's the deal. When the Lord puts that upon you, it's because the Lord wants to change the course of something. You know, the heaven is the Lord's, but the earth he's given to the children of Adam. 
So while we understand that, as we understand that in Christ Jesus, as members of his body who are still in the earth, we've got a diminutive authority over the direction some things, have, things go. And I think that there is some things the Lord wants us to enter into where we participate in the direction change that needs to happen in this hour. Because the enemy is obviously trying to do some things, but I think our understanding uh, ought to be clarified. So I want to kind of talk to you about that from my perspective about how things are happening. And I want to say that I don't want to be dogmatic about this. I don't want to be like, I've got it all figured out or I know all these things. I just want to share with you the things that I understand and, the, and how it, how it uh, translates into my actions. What am I doing right now with all the things that are brewing and are happening? Because I think there are things we should do. And the way we understand how we're to stand, I think, is important. It's really important because we get into position. So I want to look in here in Joel chapter 3, uh, verses 1 and 2. Joel chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Here's, here's, here's the first thing I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of touch on here. We're going to touch on a few scriptures here so that you can kind of uh, see biblical headlines rather than just uh, the news on the TV. Because what's going on on the TV is real, it's happening, but how we interpret things. Because one of the things I hate about the news today is I hate the drama. I, I hate the way that things are, are, you can tell they have a spin room. You know, you can tell that wherever side of the political spectrum they stand, that's the spin that they're going to put on it. So you automatically know I'm not really going to get a, a proper perspective of things. And there really are a few things, a few news sources out there, a few left that you can actually glean from. So when I start hearing things and things start happening, my, my interpretation of what's going on is through the Bible. I want to have a biblical worldview. I don't want to just have a, a, a secular worldview and I don't want to lean on the other things that are trying to pull on me. I want a biblical worldview. So here's, here's where we'll start here. Joel chapter 3, verse 1. For behold, in those days and at that time, when I bring back the captives of Judah and Jerusalem, I will also gather all nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat, and I will enter into judgment with them there on account of my people, my heritage Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations they have also divided up my land. So we, we have to understand Joel is kind of giving us a real perspective of how heaven might be seeing what is happening that's going on in the Middle East right now. Isn't it funny how this just came out of nowhere and how that it got so many's attention, even those that really don't have a biblical understanding of things, there's an uneasiness that has settled over the globe. And division has started around the, around the globe over just this simple issue right here within our own nation, within our own government. We've got congressmen, we've got senators who are, who are really on, on an unbiblical side of this idea of what's going on. See, when you live in the charismatic church today, there's not a lot of end time preaching like there used to be. I grew up with that every summer. I'm telling you, every summer... When I was a kid, the churches had programs of going through the book of Revelation and talking about end time eschatology stuff. So we kind of had that automatically, you know, in our thinking. But, you know, when I got filled with the Spirit, there was still some of that going on. 
And there are teachers and those who, who get into that. But, you know, we want to live in the kind of idea of being practical. Where do we live today and, and how do I live by faith and how do I exercise myself in the Word of God? And then something will happen like this that triggers us to look beyond and go, okay, what is, where, what is going to happen here? And so when I see things like have happened on the news on the 6th of this month, my first inclination was, wow, this is, is there something significant about it? Because God says something about the time period of after he has brought back his people into the land of promise that he's going to begin to gather nations down there. The Valley of Jehoshaphat, by the way, is between the Temple Mount and the Mount of Olives. If you're on the Mount of Olives, you can look down in that big dip. And boy, those people must have been in good, great shape back then because, my God, they had some real big hills and they were all rocky and they were all difficult. And so when it talks about, you know, they hauled Jesus from this place over this place on the night of his trial, my God, it was like a real effort. I mean, it was like, I don't know how you could walk over there. I would be exhausted. But they did it. So that Valley of Jehoshaphat, God says, I'm, I'm, I'm bringing that nation into a focal point of something that I continue to pick up that has kind of been asleep for a long, long time. See, we've lived my whole life and all the way since the day of Pentecost, we've lived in a day of what we call the day of grace or the dispensation of the church. The Bible says, Paul said this, he said that this thing called the church, this mystery, he called it, was hidden from ages and from generations, but now it's made known. It was not even in the mind of the devil. The devil couldn't conceive that there was a, another plan in the mind of God when he took Jesus and thought, I'm killing the one who was prophesied that was going to crush my head. And he wanted to kill this Messiah, this seed of the woman. And so he thought the whole thing about crucifying Jesus was going to cause him to win. And all it did was undid him. It absolutely dismantled the whole program. And this whole thing that nobody ever saw in the heart of God became evident and became known. You know, I find it interesting that just in that Golgotha, that hill of the skull, it wasn't called the hill of the skulls, the hill of the skull singular, was the same place that when David killed Goliath, the Bible says he took his head and he took his sword and he took his head. Instead of going to the capital at that time, which was in Hebron, he made a new capital over in Jerusalem and put Goliath's head in a place uh, where he stored it. And that's why they named it the Hill of the Skull the skull of a giant. And so when Jesus is nailed to the cross and they raise that cross up and it goes in its little slot and goes thud, it was actually driving the stake in the enemy's head. His head was crushed at that moment. Everybody say the devil is defeated. So prophecy comes to pass. Hallelujah. And so this whole thing called a mystery so we live in this place, and what we're looking for is the body of Christ is the rapture of the church. You know, we're looking for the Lord to come and snatch us away as a thief in the night. And listen, the Bible distinguishes there's a thief in the night coming, and then there's another coming when every eye shall see him. Now, that's a different place. We're going to be with him when he comes back in that place, and he puts his foot down on that Mount of Olives on the other side of that Valley of Jehoshaphat. But when you see stirrings like this, automatically I start thinking of, 
Okay, where, where, where are we going with this program? Lord, you're kind of rattling the cage and shaking the tree, and, 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 and it's like the hour's late. Because, you know, we get in a routine. We get in a place of living, and, you know, we, we kind of don't mean to, but we get in this, well, all things will continue as they always have. And we forget that we live in the time called the last days. Everybody say the last days. See, the last days began on the day of Pentecost. So it's been going on 2,000 years. But there is this place where the last days start uh, popping, where all of a sudden you realize things were, are coming together that haven't been in our time at all. You know, when I was a kid, things were pretty normal. And when they talked about those end times things, there was a whole lot of stuff they really didn't understand. And they would admit it. They would say, well, we don't really understand what this means. In fact, the preachers in those days, I remember going, we're going to read the book of Revelation just because it says you're going to get a blessing by reading it. But we don't know really what all it means. Well, there's a reason for that. Because God told Daniel, I'm going to seal up that book until the time of the end. And here's how you're going to know it's going to be the time of the end. Men are going to start going to and fro in the earth. And knowledge is going to increase. And let me tell you something, brother, knowledge has greatly increased. I think they're saying right now that knowledge doubles every two months now. You know, it used to be knowledge would double every five years, seven years, but it's, it's, it's grown so much that knowledge, all that man knows is doubling every two months. And just in the year 2023, this is interesting stuff, is, is this, this AI technology. I was, I was sharing this with Tyler. AI technology, I don't know if you understand this, but they have now said that AI technology is a, is a sentient being. That mankind is no longer the smartest creature on the planet. This AI is now the smartest thing on our planet and there's people that are wanting to give this thing total control over how things work in, in life. And I'm like, man, it's like, it's like living the Terminator movie in my mind. You know, it's like, are you nuts? Don't give this thing that kind of control. But all of that, you know, it causes us to think about we're getting close. We're getting real close. And so when I see all of this, and I'm telling you, this is not, this deal in the Middle East is not a skirmish. It's not an operation. It's a full-blown war that by the hour is sucking in all kinds of nations. China has now decided to send a fleet to match our fleets in the Mediterranean. And, the, and we know these things are armed with nukes. These things are serious things. And China is not our, China has never been our friend. Now, the people of China are one thing, but the communist regime has never been our friend. They've had one objective, and that was to overthrow us. Russia has never, the communist, uh, Russia has never been our friend. You know, I remember when the Iron Curtain fell in 89. Everybody was so excited about it, and it gave us a great opportunity for the gospel. But I heard a, a, a theologian one time who was familiar with that part of the world say this. At that time, he said, don't be fooled. Their economy was about to collapse. And he said, every time their economy is about to collapse, they let down and, and, and start fostering freedom and democracy so that we'll give them a bunch of money and prop them back up so they can again pick up their agenda to become our enemy and try to overthrow us for a later time. He says, so the time will come 
when we'll see them as an enemy again. Well, that's what's happening. And this whole time, you know, America has been lulled asleep. We've lost our manufacturing. We've, we've elected idiots running this country who, don't, who are not our friend, who don't even love America, who are in bed with everybody around the world. And you, you, you look at this and you're like, something needs to happen. So when God starts gathering up nations like they're doing, you know, just a couple of years ago, I don't know if it's still this way right now, but the river, river Euphrates dried up, which was strange. They saw things in that river they'd never seen. And I don't know if you know this, that thing's like the Mississippi River. That thing is a, is a big river. And the Bible says that there's angels that are bound in there that at the time of the end, they're going to be turned loose in the earth for the kings of the east are going to come with a 200 billion man army to come down into that Middle East, right in Israel, over that land. <clears throat> See, here's the thing. When, when God gives land to somebody, the devil always wants to try to steal it. Same is true in your life. Personally, as a Christian, you have a land and the devil's always trying to steal it. You know, your land as a Christian is not your destiny. Your land as a Christian is the Holy Spirit. Walking in the baptism in the Holy Spirit and cultivating a relationship with the Holy Spirit. That's why the devil always resists you over spiritual things like he does. Because he never wants you to enter into your land. Everybody say, I'm going to keep my land. I'm telling you, don't give up an inch, but explore and learn and go in and take more. We've got, we, we living in this time have a divine opportunity at the, at the, at the doorstep of the body of Christ to, to really see the will of the Father come to pass. Uh, and whatever's going on in the Middle East, it serves me. It doesn't frighten me. It serves me. What does it serve me to do? It serves me to remember that the hour's late and that I am called to not be asleep. Not be asleep. Like Keith Green used to sing in that old song, Asleep in the Light. Much of the church has been asleep in the light. And we're not going to be a church that is asleep. Amen. We are awake. We are alive. We are not fearful. We are prepared. The bride hath made herself ready. Amen. I'm kind of one of those preachers that, you know, I... I was reluctant to even get in here and, and enter into this kind of discussion with you guys, but I, I'm not at home. I, you know, I, I, your pastor can, can straighten anything out he doesn't like, but, but, uh, but, you know, I think that it's really important. The Holy Spirit just keeps on dealing with me day by day that this is a brand new time. I told Tammy, even leaving after lunch today, I said, the Lord just won't let me go. He's saying, this is a new day. This is not normal business. This is a new thing that has happened. The world is in a different place than she was at the beginning of this month, and the church has entered into a new place than she was at the beginning of this month. And we have to catch up with the revelation and the reality of that. Sometimes I'm slow. I don't get it all at once, and the Lord has to make me aware of what has happened. But I start connecting the dots and there's an alignment in my spirit and my brain starts, starts firing off. So all these kind of questions are, uh, are firing up inside of my, my spirit. Zechariah chapter 12 verse 2 says, Behold, 
I'll make Jerusalem a cup of drunkenness to all the surrounding peoples, and they, and they lay siege against Judah and Jerusalem. And it shall happen in that day that I will make Jerusalem a very heavy stone for all peoples. All who would heave it away shall surely be cut in pieces, though the nations of the earth are gathered against it. Don't be surprised. In fact, there's already pressure. You know, the Biden administration, there's people behind the scenes that are saying that the Biden administration, the reason why Israel has not went into Gaza yet is because the Biden administration is holding them back. Because the Biden administration plans on trying to introduce again a two-state solution in the attempts to bring peace, which is not going to bring peace. It's not going to bring peace. Listen, those Israelis right now are very, very fired up, very angry, very upset. You know, within the own uh, administration of Netanyahu over there, the prime minister of Israel, there, he's got cabinet members in high-ranking positions, more than one, who are who's saying what we need to do right now is nuke Iran. That's the answer to this whole thing is use nukes. We've got people in America that are politics, uh, politicians who are saying the same thing. So we're talking about playing with fire, big time. All over a piece of real estate that, from our perspective, what's this got to do with me? The reality is it doesn't really have that much to do with you other than serve you to tell you what time it is. You know, there's this thing that we have failed to, to kind of understand is that when this mystery that was hidden from ages and from generations kicked into gear, the church, for 2,000 years, there's a church, there's an open door of grace. Whosoever will, let him come and drink. Let him come and be saved. Let him come. There's this open door. But what happened was God put a pause on the nation of Israel. You know, he prophesied in the book of Daniel, that book, he said, was going to be sealed up until the time of the end. He told Daniel, when Daniel started figuring out there's some prophecies here that Jeremiah said, when we've been carried away captive in Babylon, that after 70 years, Daniel's going, it's 70 years. We're about to go home. And then the angel shows up and says, there's more to it than that. There's, there's, seven, there's 62 weeks and seven weeks. And you've just lived through the first seven weeks of this thing. Israel has lived through the first seven weeks, which represented 70 years in Babylon. But then after 62 more weeks, Messiah will be cut off. And then there'll be a final week because he said 70 weeks were appointed for my people, Israel. Well, we, when, must, when Jesus died upon the cross, 69 weeks were accomplished and then this mystery called the church that was hidden from ages and from generations kicked into gear. And we sometimes forget that that little spot of real estate over there with those people called Jews, that God's going to finish that work. See, Paul said something. Paul said that, that there was this thing in this mystery called the times of the Gentiles. We're living in that day. I don't know if you know this. I don't know if we have any Jews here tonight, but most of us are Gentiles. And God saved us anyway because the blood of Jesus was for all of humanity. But he's going to wrap things up at some point. At some point, that door is going to close. And when it closes, Paul said it was going to be the times of the Gentiles being fulfilled. He said blindness in part has happened to Israel until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Oh, 
So God's going to return and do some things over there. So every time that I see stuff like this, and I'm going to tell you something, my friends. I've been around a while, and I've seen a lot of things people have pointed to, this, that, and the other. And none of them was really, you know, really uh, that square. But this one's different. This, I'm not going to say it's it, but I'm going to tell you, it, when it is it, it's going to look a whole lot like what's happening right now. And so it serves me to tell me what time it is. How late is the hour? You know, when, when, uh, when Paul was talking to Pastor Timothy, Pastor Timothy had a, uh, a revelation uh, where Paul was, was, was wanting to let him understand something. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1, Paul said this. He said, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Perilous times would come. See, all the stuff we've been watching, all the stuff that's been happening, we all recognize that it's become a very dangerous world. Now, are we scared of that? No, but we do need to be wise. We do need to be wise. And one of the wisest things you can do is be a pursuer of the Holy Spirit and continuously learn to be filled with the Holy Spirit. What's interesting is when, the, when Paul says this to Pastor Timothy, know this, that in the last days, that word last days is a specific Greek word that means that a ship on the water who's going from port to port to port on its journey of exchanging goods finally comes to the final port. This word was always used to describe in the ancient Greek world, Roman world, the final port. So in the, in the last days, in the final destination, in the final chapter, the final port of the church, it will look very dangerous. Now, the word perilous is a word that means it will be dangerous. And it also reflects to us that, it, that we're going to be standing surrounded by danger. Now, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm going to encourage you here in just a minute. So don't get nervous. Don't get scared. So it will look like we're being surrounded on all sides, just like what's going on in the Middle East right now. There's, there's almost a parallel that goes on with what, what happens over there seems to be reflective within the church. And I will tell you, it's a very important thing that we pray for this administration. Listen to me. I don't care whether you agree with Biden or not. I don't agree with him at all. But I'm praying for him that God will get a hold of him and that he will, not, he will let go of the reins of this thing and let God do what he wants to over there and that we'll back the protection of Israel as a country and a nation just to secure our blessing as a nation. I'm not talking about the church. I'm talking about the nation. Because whoever blesses you is going to be blessed and whoever curses you is going to be cursed. And so America needs to bless Israel. We need to bless Israel. And it's really important because every time it seems like America does something stupid over there, like making them divide their land like they did in 2005, isn't it interesting? Now, it's real hard to, to reconcile all of this, but, but it was eerie. It's like we forced them to divide that land, and then, then the pictures that came out of Gaza over all of that destruction as they moved everybody out and let the Palestinians come in looked exactly identical to the destruction of Hurricane Katrina. It was parallel. You could put the pictures up against each other, and it looked identical, and it happened at the, just, just following that whole thing. So America really has a mandate that we exist to be an instrument in the plan of God 
And all of this stuff that happens in America, listen, our blessings are connected to the Lord and how we, we stay connected to the Lord's agenda. The church within the midst of that has a great influence upon it. You should pray over this president that, he, that, that, that the Lord puts his hand on him and will not let him do what some of the people want him to do over there, which is divide up that land. Because here's what I think. I think that if the church prays right now, some things will turn in some proper directions. And what I'm concerned about, what my, 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 uh, my hope is, my expectation is, is that we can see a delay in some things because there's people that have not come into the family of God yet that the Lord loves and the Lord wants to get saved. Everybody in this place, you've got people within your life that still need to be saved. And you know, I understand that, you know, sometimes we feel hopeless or powerless and what are we going to do? Well, we're going to pray. And, and right now may not be the appointed time for them that somebody comes across their path. But what if it's next week, next month, or next year, and we can pray to extend some things out a little while longer? See, just like God put that big parenthesis in the plan for Israel, I'm telling you, all through the church world, there have been times where God has just put a parenthesis. He's stuck and interjected within the plan. Some things that could have went one way, they went an entirely different way just because the church prayed. Hallelujah. The church prayed. Listen, there are, there are, there are people right here within the sphere of Winner's Church, in the sphere, in the influence of Winner's Church, that when we begin to pray, and I'm not talking about we have to figure out all the mystery of praying. I'm talking about praying in the Holy Ghost. Praying in the Holy Ghost until you find a release. And then you wake up again and the burden's there and you pray again until it gets released. And then you attack it again until you get a release. We got to learn to pray some things through. There is more to prayer than just asking one time so that I can receive. I believe in that, but that's not the only extension of prayer. Sometimes we got to seek and we got until we find it. Sometimes we got to knock until it's opened. And I'm telling you, sometimes it's not just a friendly little knock. Sometimes it's banging on the door. Because, you know, contrary to popular belief, God does change his mind. You know, I know we use that scripture, I am the Lord and I do not change. Well, he never said he doesn't change his mind. Think about Abraham praying for Sodom and Gomorrah. And God pleading, saying, if I can find this many righteous people, I won't destroy it. And there, Abraham's calling upon them. How many times did Moses up there in the glory of God? And God says, you, you get away from that people. I'm going to wipe them all out, and I'm starting over with you. You know, most of us would have said, that sounds good to me. Wipe them out. <laughs> most pastors would have said that. Because usually when it's that bad, it's real bad. But Moses said, no, God, don't do that. Because those nations are looking. And Lord, they're going to mock and say, you weren't able to do it. And God just says, because you asked me, because you asked me, I'm not going to do it. And it quenched, quenched the fire of the Lord from doing other things that were going. God's mind can change when we pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, I think about this scripture. I, I, I'm not scripture, but yeah, think about this story. I had a, a man of God tell me who, who was in Antlers, Oklahoma <clears throat> in 1963. 
during the Cuban Missile Crisis. And they were in First Assembly of God. He was in the service. Uh, two people actually that were there. But, he, but this older man was telling me, he said, he said we had an evangelist that was not well known at that time by the name of Kenneth E. Hagan, who was holding a meeting in First Assembly of God, Antlers, Oklahoma, in 1963. And he said, he's up there teaching and ministering and actually preaching away. And he gets over in the prophetic flow. And he's beginning to, to get over in that place. And then he just stops like, like something has happened, like he's seeing something. And he said, right in the middle of his preaching, he said, we were all a little bit confused because we'd never really been around that kind of, a, of anointing. He said, he just turns and he looks off over this direction. He just stands there and he's, I see a cloud coming up over the southeastern part of the United States. Evil, dark, destructive. We should pray. God wants us to pray that thing down. Pray that power out. And nobody knew at that time. It hadn't hit the wires. Nobody in the United States knew it. It was later to be found that that was the exact time that that whole thing started boiling over with the confrontation with the Russians over the nukes they had in Cuba. So there was a, I mean, we were on the brink of a nuclear exchange at that time in 1963. You know why it didn't happen? Because some Christians began to pray. Christians began to pray. And they prayed that thing down. That's why it didn't happen. And you know, I'm really glad it didn't happen because I wasn't born until three years later. That was 60 years ago. And the church prayed. Because the prophet of God was, was declaring what he was seeing. And the church responded not with fear, but they responded with faith. Hallelujah. See, our times are in his hand, but I'm telling you, I believe in, in praying until something moves and changes. So we might find ourselves like this in the last days. It's easy to see that, where we feel surrounded on every side by danger, dangerous times, perilous times, the last of the last days as we come to the final port. And he's not prophesying about Israel here. He's prophesying to the church. The Spirit of God is actually in the apostle giving us scripture, giving us inspired word from the Holy Spirit saying, this is what it's going to look like. Why would God say those things to us? Would he, would he say that to frighten us or what? Because listen, it would come anyway. I'm glad it's there because it gives me something to look at that tells me God already knew about this before it ever showed up. Wouldn't it be just terrible if God never told us anything about it and there it's showing up and we're just way confused because all we've ever heard was good times are going to roll for the country instead of putting us in a place where we recognize we have a role to play here. And bringing an effect upon this. Paul said this, know this, know this. That these dangerous, stressful times would come and we would find ourselves surrounded in the midst of that danger. Now listen, here's another thing. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 1. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 1. Paul gives us some other indications about these times. He said, now brethren... Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you, 
not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or by word or by letter as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. See, they had been, they had been falling under a sway. Some people had come in and said, you know, the rapture happened and we got left. It already happened and, and we missed it. And so that was really unsettling to the church. And so Paul's writing the second letter, the second epistle to him to tell him, don't let those things rattle you. Don't be shaken. Look at your neighbor and say, do not be shaken now. You, you, must, you must come to this place where you're strong enough to recognize that I've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. I'm telling you right now, folks, listen to me. But the plan of God for my life is not to go out in a nuke explosion. The vision I have for my life is not to go out in World War III. Listen, I'm serious. I'm telling you, that's not the plan God has been showing me for my life. I'm not looking for that. I'm looking for different things. Hallelujah. So he says in verse 3, let no one deceive you by any means for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worship, that he sits as God in the temple of God showing himself that he is God. That's the Antichrist, the man of sin. So Paul is saying, listen, before any of these things start to unfold, there'll be a falling away. Well, Guess what? We've been watching a falling away. There's been a falling away. You know how many churches there are in America that have embraced gay weddings, have embraced uh, things? Uh, there are churches in America. I hate to admit this, but there are churches in America. They're not churches of Jesus Christ, but there are churches that claim that are embracing things like pedophilia. They're embracing... Uh, communism. Communism is not good. These young people that go to college and get educated and they tell them, oh, communism really is the better plan. We'll all be equal on the same playing field. That's stupid because there's always a dictator that shows up. And guess what? He always starts killing out disagreement. In fact, there's 500 Christians right now that have escaped North Korea to China. They got caught the other day. And they, China is called, we're, repa we, we're repatriating them by sending them back to North Korea. And they'll be killed as soon as they get there. Just because they wanted to leave. And they're Christians. So communism is not the answer. Socialism is not the answer. God is the answer. Christianity is the answer. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So there's people that fall away. Churches that fall away. I said this morning, we've got a number of Christians that we know that were even in revival that have turned towards new age beliefs or universalism beliefs. And it's like, what is wrong with you? I mean, I, I literally want to get a hold of them and shake them and say, what is wrong with you? You know better than this. How come there's no people in your life that have gotten a hold of you and said, you know better than this? in hopes that you could shake them free from that. But somewhere along the line, they let go of some things they should have never let go. Somewhere along the line, the things of God was not as important 
Somewhere along the line, church was no longer important. The Bible was no longer important. Listen to me. You need to be a Bible Christian. You need to be a Bible Christian. You need to be grounded in the Word of God. Everybody say, I love my Bible. I want to tell you something right now. Don't come to church with no Bible. I'm not trying to scold you, but I'm telling you. Listen, you, got a, you, need a, you need a hard copy of the Bible. You don't just need a digital Bible. I know enough of this, this Bible that when they, they go to messing with this digital version, I'm going to pick it up because it replays into my mind. I mean, I, I, I quote those scriptures rather than read them. But you need a hard copy of the Bible. And don't get one of the new ones. Get one that's a little old. Go to some used bookstore and get you an old Bible. Because we're going to need that. Because they're messing with the online Bible right now. They're messing with it. And they've got plans to just adjust it so that it fits all the world religions and all the world beliefs. So that it's just bringing everything together for this man of sin. Go ahead, man. And we need to be, we need to be aware that our young people especially, I think the older people are more grounded, but young people need to be educated in the Word of God. Do you, you know, I knew this when I was a kid. This is, what, this is what provoked me as a young Christian at 10 years of age to read the Bible. Those Bibles back then, the print was so small, you had to be 10 years old to read it because, you know, when you're 40 you, or 50, you can't, that print is just, I, I need the bigger print now, Amen. But we knew this. The, the King James Version of the Bible at that time, it, it, was, it was a fourth grade education level. A fourth grade education level. Now, I, do, I know that they've more modernized it and all of that. But this whole idea, I can't understand the Bible. I don't read it because it's just too hard to understand. You know why? It's because your mind is not renewed. When your mind gets renewed, spiritual things wake up. And you know, the Bible is not about memorization. The Bible is about feeding your inner man. You're not called to live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So if you're not feeding your inner man the word of God, you're starving to death. And your, your carnal man will have the ascent in your life and it will dictate to you. So that when the events come and things come, you get rattled and shaken. And I'm telling you, some of them can shake us pretty hard, but you won't get shaken out if you have a firm foundation. So everybody say one more time, I love the Word of God. You need to bring the Bible to church. You don't just need to depend upon these screens. These are blessings. They're wonderful. They're helpful. But the more props you need, the further you're away. The more props you... Listen, all the things, the lights, the instruments, you know, all, even the facility, all the things we do to make worship easier... We have to be careful that we're not just leaning on those things as props because the more props you need, the further you are away from You know, I don't need any props to worship God. Amen. I really don't. I mean, it's a blessing. It's wonderful. But I, I, if we don't have a musician in the house, I'm still going to be able to worship God. I'm still going to be able to love God. Hallelujah. Amen. So, so never, never grow dependent on those guys. You know, here's the thing. You shouldn't grow dependent on your pastor hearing from God for you. There's a whole different topic here, but we should not grow. Listen, yeah, he's a prophet of God, but you're not supposed to be led by prophets. He knows that. You need to know that. You need, you, what he says to you needs to be confirmation of what you're hearing in your spirit. 
How many of you know that we are the temple of the Holy Ghost? And here's the deal. If God has to send a prophet to talk to you, it means that you're not listening to what he's saying in the temple. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm preaching now. So, that, so when the falling away comes, for, it tells us we're knocking on the door of some things that are going to happen. This man of sin, this Antichrist. Now, there's always been many Antichrists, but the Bible is referring to a particular individual. Probably the guys living in the world today. But somewhere at a later time, called after the rapture, this guy will show up and he'll start presenting solutions to problems and he'll lull the world to sleep under his spell until his true nature gets revealed. And here's what the Bible says about our power. If we read the same chapter and we go down to verse 5, 2 Thessalonians 2, 5, and Paul says, don't you remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things. Paul said, I've already told you. But for some reason, you've gotten rattled. You've gotten shaken. You've gotten upset. I told you these things. And now you know what is restraining that he, that man of sin, may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he's taken out of the way. And then that lawless one will be revealed. So who's restraining? The old time Pentecostals used to say, well, the Holy Ghost. No, no, no. No, no, no. You know, I remember them old timers say, well, the Holy Ghost, when the Holy Ghost leaves, I don't want to be here. Well, he's not leaving. Do you know the Holy Spirit is not leaving at any juncture of the plan of God as he's unfolding this. Not even when God returns to Israel over that 70 week of Daniel, the Holy Spirit is going to still be working. He's going to anoint that 144,000 and they're going to begin to preach the gospel to those Jewish people. And all kinds of things are going to happen that, are, that, that we're not in right now. But it's the church. It's you and I. As the people of God with all the other people of God. Do you realize that the restraining power of the church exists just because we're here? Even, even to a degree that we're not even really resisting anything. We just exist. You're, you are upsetting the devil's apple cart just by existing as a Christian. He doesn't like it when you walk into the room, when you're even around. He especially doesn't like it when you recognize you have the light and you're walking in the light. He never wants you to connect to any of that. He wants you just to think that life is just always hard. Instead of recognizing I'm on assignment. I'm going to tell you something about your, your job. Some of you, we got jobs, and I, I'm a pastor. Some people come to me, and they, they have a job, and they're like, pray, pray, pastor, my job is so hard. I'm around so many sinners, and I just, I just need to get in a spiritual environment. But then they were the same Christians that six months before were asking, please pray for me a job. Please pray. And then God gives them a job. 
And somewhere along the line, they have forgotten their influence. They've forgotten. You know, in the early church, they were asking the apostles all the time, new Christians that were called centurions and Roman military officers and Roman soldiers were getting born again, getting filled with the Holy Spirit, joining the church. And then they would say, do I need to quit my job because the Roman Empire is a pretty evil empire? And you know what the apostles told them? No, don't quit your job. Use your influence right where you're planted. Use your influence right where... Listen, you need, to, you need to use your influence where all them rank sinners are. And that's called the harvest, the field. Don't run from your assignment. Get firmed up in it. Now listen, something's going to happen. We're going to have a revival or a riot. Something's going... I'm going to tell you, it's happened to me so many times. And these jobs that I work with sinner people... Before I became a full-time pastor, there was a lot of people I worked with that were hardcore center people. And I was a hardcore center person before I got filled with the Holy Ghost. So I'm in the midst of that. And it's like, eventually, somebody here is going to make a choice. Somebody's going to make a choice. And as long as God says, I'm supposed to be here, I'm not leaving. Either you're going to get saved or at least we're going to mark you for Jesus that even if you run and go somewhere else, you won't forget that you were here. Yeah. Hallelujah. Because somewhere down the road, God's going to wake those seeds up. Praise the Lord. We've got to come to those kind of places. Do I think that all World War III is going to happen and blow the world apart? Well, we're restraining. We're holding some things back. Now listen, do I think there might be a serious skirmish? I do. I think this might be a real serious thing that goes on, except there's a restraining going on. It's controlled. It's a controlled burn. We should recognize that we carry that kind of power to tread down under our feet. To ask the Lord, Lord, don't let them idiots get, get their finger on the button. Lord, if they think they're putting their finger on the button, Lord, turn their hand away and hit the coffee pot or something. But do, do something different. Shake them and wake them. Put some people that are spirit-filled in those places. I think we should pray those kind of prayers. Put some people that are Holy Ghost-filled. To work in those administrations. If all these wicked people are working in these administrations, how about some Holy Ghost people that are working in those administrations? I'm telling you, the devil's afraid of Holy Ghost people. You ever notice that any of them horror movies where they have a demon-possessed person, they never call the Pentecostal to come and pray and cast the devil out. They always call the Catholic priest, and he's always scared to death, and he's always got many words and many actions and all this stuff, and it never works. He dies, and the demon-possessed continue. And all they got to do is call the Pentecostal preacher. I'll go even further. All they got to do is call the spirit-filled child of God. He'll cast that devil out. Amen. See, there's a mystery of lawlessness, a hidden thing that's working in mankind. It's been working since the Tower of Babel. 
You realize the whole Tower of Babylon, the funny Babylon's mentioned way back there, and then it's mentioned again in the book of Revelation. It's like this mystery has worked all through humanity. And what is it about? It's about the human enslavement. The Tower of Babel was more than just a tower that a bunch of people said, yeah, let's build it and mock God. It was a whole bunch of slaves that built that, that, that ziggurat, that tower, tower of Babel. The, Nimrod was a half-giant. Nimrod was a Nephilim. Nimrod was an evil man who hated God, and he was building that to try to dethrone God. I mean, he had a philosophy. I'm going to get up here. I'm going to grab you by the beard, and I'm pulling you down. You're just going to think you're going to flood this world again. And, God, and he enslaved all these people to build that ziggurat, which was a, a ring. They even know where it is today, by the way. They know exactly where it is today. It's in ruins, but they know exactly where it is today. It was a bunch of slaves that did that. And God said, you know, when they come together uh, and they're one, nothing's going to be impossible for them. So God confused their language. But that mystery of lawlessness, that attitude, I can, I can have heaven on earth without God. I can build all the good things of life and I don't need God. Has always been working all the way. And so the end time, what is the end time about? I want you to know this. For our perspective in the body of Christ, there is this mystery of the wheat and the tares. And you know what, remember the story Jesus said that the guy gets up and he realizes that somebody's sown tares in the middle of my field. Oh my gosh. Do you, and, the, and the servant said, do you want us to go and tear out all the, the tares? He said, no, don't do that because you might, might accidentally get some wheat. He said, but let's wait until harvest time. Let's wait until harvest time, and then we can, we can see the difference. And you know how you tell the difference between wheat and tares? Wheat starts developing a grain, and it starts bowing. When it gets ready for harvest, wheat bows. You know what tares do? Tares are just like weeds in a pasture. They stand up ugly and straight, haughty and proud in the sun. And God says there'll be a separation that'll happen in mankind where he'll be able to distinguish those who are bowing and those who are haughty and proud. Then he'll gather up the tares. There's a mystery of that going on. So we look at the world. Why is it getting more wicked? Well, because it's heading towards harvest time. Harvest time always escalates, always escalates the process. As time is wrapping up, things are coming to a close, but not yet. Not yet. There's somebody restraining called the church. And I'm telling you, when we're out of here, the Bible says, and then that lawless son will be revealed. The Bible says the Lord will consume him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him with the brightness of his coming. Be a whole bunch of stuff. The coming of the lawless ones according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders and all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not love they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. Yeah. See, you want to be a lover of truth. Okay. I'll tell you something about truth. Sometimes truth hurts us, but it's okay. I would rather know the truth than to be lulled asleep in my deception. I'm telling you right now. The preachers that will not rock the boat in the body of Christ need to get out of the pulpit. They need to get out of the pulpit. The preachers who are afraid to touch the subjects, the stuff, 
to help these people. We are not trying to build seeker-friendly churches where nobody uh, has any kind of confrontation. You know, here's the thing. Man, I learned this as a young preacher. Is that when I, when I come to the Lord, yes, salvation is free. But then it begins to cost me. And you know what it begins to cost me? Everything. And you know, that preacher is supposed to challenge me. He's not supposed to just soothe me and comfort me and, and just kiss the boo-boos all the time. Sometimes he's supposed to say, why don't you stop getting those boo-boos? Why don't you decide I'm going to make some adjustments? Why don't, I align, why don't I convince you to align with the truth? You need to embrace the truth. I mean, I've met people who struggled in their marriages, and it's like you get down to the nitty-gritty after a little bit of, of, of interviewing and talking and counseling, and you find out the whole problem is he's an idiot. This is the whole problem. He's convinced me there's something wrong with her, and then you talk to him and figure out there's something wrong with you. So here's the truth. And the good preacher will sit down with that guy and say, you need to straighten up. You need to stop that. I know of a pastor who sat down with a couple one time, and immediately she goes to yang, 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 yang. And he just stopped and goes, you need to shut up. And then he began to talk to her. And you know what happened? A gasp, and she shut up. And then he figured out what was going on and helped the couple. I mean, if your pastor can't ever sit down with you and tell you to shut up, You might not be mature as you think you are. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, he's just a man. Yeah, he's a man, but he's the man of God that God put in your life. He ain't just any man. He's not a TV preacher for you. He's the man of God. God connected to you. The shepherd that leads the flock to green pastures and still waters. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Are y'all with me tonight? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm trying to give you some encouragement. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. For you know that you were Gentiles, carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is, thank you, no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. I mentioned to you this morning that just praying in tongues declares that Jesus is Lord. All the things we do being filled with the Holy Spirit, they declare the Lordship of Jesus. They declare the Lord. You know, there's a lot of Christians, we bought into this Billy Graham style salvation where we want to just confess him as Savior. The Bible doesn't tell you to confess him as Savior. Did you know that? The Bible does not teach us to do that. Now, I'm not against that if somebody wants to confess Jesus as their Savior. The Bible tells us we need to confess him as Lord. That's different. That's different. You know, when you confess him as Lord, that means his word is your command. That you, that you view everything about how he's talking to you different. The way you think about your, the nature of your Christianity is different. You know, when the parable of the sower comes into play, we read that parable of the sower and we apply this to just everybody in every context and everything. But Jesus narrowed it down in the, I think it's the gospel of Luke where he said, when the parable of the sower, when somebody sows a word of the kingdom, not just a scripture, not just, just a verse, not just sitting under a sermon, 
But when the Lord is able to sow a word of the kingdom, he's trying to, he's trying to connect you, not with memorizing scripture. He's trying to connect you with relating to him as Lord. And then you start the, the relationship of, okay, am I one of these that the seed falls on the wayside? Am I one of those that I get easily offended or I have a little heat on my life and I can't handle it? Or am I one of those who get swallowed up in my blessings and I got so many blessings that I can't serve God anymore because my blessings are just taking me away? Or are you good ground? When you can bow to the lordship of Jesus and you really start relating to him that I'm going to obey, I'm going to follow, I'm going to listen to what he says and truly cleave. You're declaring lordship. You're declaring that I now am a member of the kingdom of God, not just the family, but I'm in the kingdom. And my relationship with him and my Christianity now are different. I think this hour is about that where God is trying to pull over the, into the body of Christ from the body of Christ, people to connect to him on a different level. You know how it is where people just kind of go to and fro in the earth and, and everyone does what is right in his own eyes and nobody really submits, nobody really connects, nobody, you know, and everybody just, well, the first little sign of trouble, I'm out. We're doing that in the church. We're doing that in our home. Kids are doing that with their parents. People are doing that in their marriages. They're doing that in our jobs. Just the first sign of trouble, and I'm out. You shouldn't run at the first sign of trouble. You should figure out, am I supposed to be here? And I'm supposed to be here. I'm supposed to tough it out. I'm supposed to tough it out. Boy, if I had run at the first sign of trouble when I encountered in the, in the church world, after I got filled with the Holy Spirit, I'd never be in the ministry today. I'd, I'd never be in the ministry. You know, I had a pastor that was rough. This guy was mean. He was young. He was hot-headed. And, you know, we, we did something we shouldn't have done because we were, just, we were in the church, but we, we had just gotten filled with the Holy Spirit, but we were not really submitted. And, boy, he lined us out one day and, and chewed us out and really let us have it. And, man, he looked at me and pointed my finger and said, you'll be lucky if God can ever do anything with you. He was just so mad. Now, that's wrong. I'm telling you, that's wrong. I don't do that with people. But you know what it did for me? It put me in a confrontation with the Holy Ghost. You know, I left out of there mad, hurt, wounded, gut shot, sick in my spirit. I went home and literally uh, went to bed and laid on my bed all night long, hurting and aching in my gut, rolling back and forth and weeping and crying. And, and oh God, how could he, how could this happen? Oh, and you know, when the sun started to come up, when the dawn started to break, it was in that, that early morning light that the Holy Ghost started ministering to me. This is me, not him. This is me, not him. You think it's him. You've always attached what's happened to a man. He said, but there's more going on here. It's me. You need to get iniquity out of your life. You need to stop being rebellious. You need to let this stuff come out of you because I've called you to serve. There's a call of God on you to be a preacher, to be a pastor, to be a minister, and you'll never be able to do that in your iniquitous-filled life. You need to bow. And I'm like, God, I had no idea. One thing I am as a believer, 
I'm very conscious of authority. Very. That, that marked me. From that moment on, I became very conscious. I, I'm telling you, God is extremely concerned about how our attitude is towards authority. Now, can there be bad authority? Absolutely. But is all authority bad? Because it hurt my feelings? You know, we got to be conscious. You know, when you go to the, to the store and you're taking your kids, you know, I used to really hate this. Would I go to the restaurant and there'd be all these, these people taking their kids and stuff and they'd just take the ketchup and smash it all over the table and pour the salt out all over the place. And I'm, I'm sitting there looking at that going, that is not cute. That is not good. It's like, but we got to keep them occupied. Why? Because, you know, somebody's going to have to come over there and clean that up after you've gone. And I've heard people say, well, we're giving that waitress a job. We're giving her job security. And I'm like, would, would, are, we, are we, is this our house? Why is it quiet in here, man? Why is it quiet? I mean, I mean, I mean seriously, seriously. You know, when I was a kid, you know, it really didn't matter about, you know, when adults would talk to kids. There was always adults that were not good. They were, they were smart off and whatever. But you were never allowed to smart off back. I don't care. Boy, I don't, you know, it's almost like you run home and oh, so-and-so did something and I said this to him. And this, you're getting slapped in the face. Like, well, what did I do? Well, you were disrespectful. I was like, yeah, but they did this. Yeah, but you don't do that. And it's like you, 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 it changes. My, my whole relationship with God started out with these confrontations about my submission to him. You know what God was doing? He was pulling me out of this mystery of lawlessness. I was caught up in it. I was caught up in the flow of life where iniquity was just the way it was. You know, iniquity is this. It's, it's different from rebellion. Iniquity is I'm going to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it, and if I want to do it. That's iniquity. When I have iniquity... I'm not really going to follow the Lord in a submissive way that really brings about his heart and his destiny for my life. Go ahead, man. But when I get this out of me, it changes the dynamic. You know, there's a passage of scripture we ignore from Matthew 7 where Jesus said, there's going to be many come to me in that day and they're going to stand in front of me and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we do many signs and wonders in your name? And I'm going to look at them and say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. We look at that and we think it's a scripture about heaven and hell. And that's not a scripture about heaven and hell. That is a scripture to believers, to Christians, about how they relate to Jesus as Lord. When Jesus says in the Greek, I never knew you, it means I never knew you intimately. I know you, but we were not close. Go ahead now. And to be a worker of iniquity meant I just took my miracle ministry on the road and I did it my way. Oh, <laughs> 
And you know, you think about how many of us, we relate to the church like that. We relate to spiritual authority like that. We relate to God like that. That I'm in as long as I get to do it my way. Like Tammy was saying about the young pastor couple in our church. They're, they're pastor in this church, and they're, they're, they're cranking off praise and worship. They're trying to build a work there, reestablish something. Here comes a guy chugging in his guitar. Hadn't been there in a couple of months. Well, what are you doing? I'm fixing to get up there and play with him. Wait, no, no, no. They've been practicing. Yeah, but I always, I always do it this way. This is what our church is about. This is, you know, that guy got mad. When, when the pastor, the new pastor said, you can't do it. You're not, you're not doing it. If you want to do a special later, I'll let you do a special. But you're not getting up there. You know, that guy got mad. I'm not going to let you take over my church. You know what he just manifested? He manifested a demon. Demons always say, this is my house. <laughs> I don't know, this is all free. Amen. Praise the Lord. See, when you serve God, he talks. And he's looking for you to start relating to him as Lord. One of the contexts of this scripture is that he, when you start following him, even in, this is where I'm going to land, even in troubling times. The thing that I'm looking for right now is, Lord, I want you to give me hinds feet where I can walk upon the, the most difficult terrain. I can climb, I, just, like, just like, like the deer, a dangerous mountainous terrain. Somehow I'm held up. Somehow I don't slip. Somehow as I follow him, he gets me from here to there. I wish I could say I'm smart enough to know how to get from here to there, but I'm not. And anybody that tells you they're smart enough to get from here to there, they're lying to you. But you know what? He knows the way. He's my guide. He guides me into all truth. And I, I'm just like Ruth who wakes up one day and I'm one way and I'm struggling one way. And just because I go out into the field, somehow I land in the field of Boaz, my near kinsman, and I walk out of that field full. And the Bible says that she just happened to light. She didn't plan to get there. She just happened to get there because the Lord's hand was on her getting there. One of the greatest miracles, I think, in the Bible that happens to many Christians today, and they don't recognize it, is we can be surrounded by these enemies and all kinds of troubles and all of this, and then sometimes just go to bed and go to sleep, and we've groaned and we've prayed and we've done all we know to do, and we don't know what to do, and we wake up and we're just on the other side of it. Am I the only Christian that that's ever happened to? Where all of a sudden, I'm like Jesus, where everybody's mad at him, and they're wanting to kill him, and they're wanting to throw him off the cliff. And the Bible says Jesus just passed right through them and went on. And somewhere while they're trying to grab him, they just lost him. I don't know if he vanished. I don't know if God was just missing their hands. And I don't know what happened with the enemies. Jesus just somehow walked right through the mess and walked right out of it. And the Holy Ghost does the same thing for us. And in this crisis that's going on right now, the Holy Ghost is going to do the same thing for the body of Christ. We're just going to come through it. His hand is on us. We don't have to fear. 
But we need to yield ourselves to pray. Let's pray some things until we get a release. I think the heaviness that we feel in this intercessory prayer is not meant to be a permanent situation. It's meant to be something we pray through until we get to the other. Has anybody ever prayed long enough in tongues over an extended period of time? Maybe it was one setting or maybe it was a week or maybe it was even like in my case, sometimes I prayed for a month in the spirit and all I could do is pray in the spirit. And then there's like one moment when you're just praying away and then it just lifts off of you and that, that peace just comes flooding in and it's like overwhelmingly I'm caught up in another realm and then it's no longer on my mind. I'm now walking in another place. That's called the peace that passes understanding. I don't have political solutions for what's going on. I don't have any other solutions other than I'm going to yield myself to the one that's, that's in me called the Holy Spirit. And he's going to empower me to get from here to there. He's going to carefully lead us in the days that we live. We have nothing to fear. God did not give us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You know, if, I, if God is wrapping it up and we're about to be out of here and God's going to continue on with the Jews, then so be it. You know, I'm not going to be sad if the trumpet blows and I'm out of here before, this, before tomorrow morning. Amen. Anybody in this room going to? You know, I had a guy in my church a long time ago. He came to me one day. He goes, Pastor, I dreamed last night that the rapture happened. And all of a sudden, we're all leaving and we're going up to the clouds. And, and all I could think about was, where's my wallet? And he said, I kept turning around trying to get my pants and get my wallet out. He goes, do you think that means something? <laughs> no, you stingy thing. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not going to worry about the bills. I'm not going to worry about next week. Listen, when I'm out of here, it's done. I'm moving on. So whenever that happens, great. But when, it, when it's not happening, I'm going to be busy about my father's business. I'm going to do what Jesus said. I'm going to occupy till he comes. Not lose ground, but take ground. Should this skirmish not result in all these things coming to pass that's going on through this war. You mark my words, Israel's going to come out of this with a whole lot more land than they started out with. Every one of these wars, always they take more land and they expand the territory and all that increases. And you know what? That's just like God. Because that land, God told them that was their land. And he brought them back out of the nations after 2,000 years of being dispersed around the planet. God brought them home. That's the Valley of Dry Bones. That's the valley of dry, these dry bones are living again. Israel shouldn't even exist. The only nation in the history of the planet that we know of that's been brought back from the dead two times. And the last time after 2,000 years, and yet they live again. My mother was born in the year 1948. And since the time I was a kid, when my mama got saved, she started recognizing that there were prophecies in the word. When Jesus said, when you see that fig tree begin to bud again, you need to know that summer's near. It's even at the doors. And then Jesus said, and this generation will not pass away until all these things are fulfilled. 
And so if it means literally what we think it might mean, and I'm giving myself a back door, I, don't, I may be wrong, but if it does mean that, and my mama is almost 76 years of age, we ain't got much time left. Jesus is coming soon. So you be ready. And don't be hiding in a cave buying spam. Don't, don't fall victim. Don't, don't fall victim to these preachers on TV who are selling you survival packs for the apocalypse. I'm not going to be here for the apocalypse. I'm not planning for an apocalypse. I mean, that's one of the easiest ways you can discern whether they're a legit preacher. They might even use the same scripture verses, but they're going to sell you a survival pack. Here's your tub of food that's going to keep you for the next 100 years. Don't, don't fall into that. Stay, stay away from all of that. You want to hear something like I'm telling you tonight. It's going to be all right. If you walk out of here and don't remember a thing I said, you remember this one thing. It's going to be all right. I don't have anything to fear because my times are in his hand. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Everybody say it's going to be all right. Stand up on your feet tonight. Hallelujah. And if you will let me Tonight, I want to pray over you. I'm going to tell you something about a pastor's anointing. I'm not your pastor. I'm not your pastor, but I am a pastor. James chapter 5 tells us that when a shepherd prays over you, that God does a number of things to help you. He says, if anybody is sick, let them call for the elders of the church. Now, I'm not... In leadership here, but I am in leadership. I'm a fivefold gift that your pastors have thought to have in. I'm gonna eat this cough drop. But here's the deal what does it mean to be sick? Well, it means you could be physically sick, or the broad meaning of the word means that you're just you're just under the stuff. You're stumbling, you're weak. You're feeling shaky. You're feeling like you, you, you can't quite get where you need to get. Well, the Bible says that when they pray over you and anoint you with oil, God will raise you back up. He will heal you and he will raise you back up. And here's, here's the dynamic we miss. We don't even pay attention to this. He says that even if you've got sin in your life, God will forgive you. I don't think we believe that. I think we always think we've got to do something else with our sin. And sometimes it's as simple as getting that back up under authority, getting back up under where the Holy Ghost is moving, and God starts dealing with stuff and healing stuff. I think the healing is way beyond the physical. I think the healing is more about what's going on on the inside. God brings you forward past all kinds of other stuff just by being prayed for. And I believe this afternoon the Lord said to me, I want you to pray over as many tonight that will allow you because I want them to be free from any kind of fear and anxiety and heaviness that is trying to attach itself to them in this season that we're in. 
And so listen, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna pray over that and drive that off. And you're going to connect with the anointing of intercession, the anointing of praying in the spirit, the anointing of lifting this stuff up to God and letting God have his way in the midst of all of this. I'm telling you, it's a, it's a real important time for us to do these things in the body of Christ. So if you would, I want you to bow your head, and I'm going to ask you to come. And if I could, if I could have a little oil, please. This is, I don't know really exactly how this is going to go, but we're going to just pray over you. We're going to ask the Lord to minister to you. And we're going to just touch you, put the oil on you, and pray over you. And God's going to just do a work in you. We're going to believe that. Father, we ask you tonight. Let's all pray together. Lord, we ask you tonight. Lord, to begin to minister to us. Lord, these are not just scary times or dangerous times. They're exciting times. These are the times we were made for. We have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. So, Lord, we're not going to shy away from it. Thank you. Tammy, thank you, Pastor. We're not going to shy away from it. We're not going to back off of it. We're going to step into it. It's time for us to live in these times powerful and anointed. Sister, I saw you sitting back there a while ago. And I heard the Lord say, the boundaries are going to extend. Uh, the, 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 the cords of your life, you're, you're going to be enlarged. The Lord is, is uh, he's creating the place for more, the place for increase. I don't think it's just material. I think that there's a spiritual thing going on in your life where you're, where you're really about to come over into some things that the capacity to contain them and flow with them are going to, going to be there. You're, 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 you're expanding. The Lord is stretching out and giving you a greater capacity because there's much more that you've not even thought about that the Lord is going to draw out of the well of your life and pour on the table of humanity to help. There are people even right now in your life they need what the Lord is doing in your life to help them. In fact, I'm going to tell you this. There are people in your life that you've already talked to. And it's like something's plugging up their ears and you want them to hear. But they're, but they're, but they're like, yeah, yeah, but they're not listening. And the Lord is going to give you a voice to them. And the power and the anointing of it is going to extend and reach them. Hallelujah. Father, we pray over her in the name of Jesus. Our precious sister, in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. Father God, we thank you. Thank you for that expansion, that growth, bubbling up out of her belly right now, in the name of Jesus. Fire, power, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. She's going to carry it, Lord. She's going to carry it well. She's going to carry it well in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God.
Praise God. Thank you for this. I'm going to pray over you, Eric. You got, you was up here ahead of everybody. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you. So it's kind of like first come, first serve. Amen. He's not missing out. Lord, I thank you for this man of God. And you know, Eric, I'm going to tell you something. That's the way the Lord wants you to perceive yourself. You're a man of God. You really are a man of God. You're not a perfect man, but gosh, I ain't either. But you are a man of God. But you know, the devil tries to label you in other ways and says, no, you're this kind of a man or that kind of a man. In fact, there are people that have even said things over you that were influential to try to tag you and label you. And it like hovers over you sometimes where you perceive yourself in that light. But the Lord says, no, you're not those things. You are a man of God. And it's time for you to see yourself as a man of God. It's really difficult, almost impossible, to walk worthy of the calling with which you're called if you don't see yourself in the light that God is shining on you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I'm telling you, brother, there are just a few things about your perception of, of service that if you'll bend and you'll adjust and you'll move around, it unlocks many doors. Hallelujah. And God says, the time is on you where I'm ready to unlock doors that have slammed shut on you. I'm ready to unlock doors in the name of Jesus. Lord, we pray right now. Anoint him in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray right now that no kind of unsettling trouble will make him in any way uneasy, in any way shaky, in any way influence or affect him. He's as bold as a lion. He's as powerful as he ever was in the name of Jesus. He is a man of God. Hallelujah. 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 You know, your record has been expunged, so you ought to act like that. In the name of Jesus. That's the way it is with all of our past in this line. Our record of past things has been expunged. It doesn't exist anymore. You know, when we pray and say, God, forgive me for stuff that we've already asked a hundred times, he really does respond and say, what are you talking about? Because he says, your sins, your lawless deeds, I'll remember no more. Amen. He's not holding it over our head. Boy, as long as we're holding it over our head, it has power. But the moment we let it go, it no longer can rule in our life. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray, hallelujah. You know, you can't be any more clean than you are when you're washing the blood of Jesus. <laughs> you can't be any more righteous. I want you to know that. You can't be any more righteous than you are when you got saved. You don't grow in righteousness. You do not grow in righteousness. It's a gift. Hallelujah. No fear. No fear. Hallelujah. No fear. In Jesus' name, I declare no fear over you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, I remember praying over you some months back.
maybe a, a year or so back that I saw a dead tree that was beginning to sprout and bloom and put out leaves again. And that was your tree of life. That was you. Well, it's happening. Hallelujah. And you know why it's happening? Because fruit's going to grow on that tree. And a bountiful season is ahead. A bountiful season of more than enough. Anytime a harvest comes, it's a more than enough type of a deal. When the fruit comes, when the tomatoes come, when the peppers come, it's always more than enough. When the squash comes, it's more than enough. Hallelujah. So the more than enough. Hallelujah. He's bringing it into your life in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm so glad you didn't miss it. Amen. It's happening. Praise the Lord. Thank you, brother. You a good man. Praise God. Lord, I thank you. Lord, he knows he was made for this time. <laughs> You're not scared. You're not scared at all, man. You know you were made for such a time as this. Hallelujah. Man, I'll tell you. You know, there's wisdom in you. There's things that, in fact, there's things that are going to be drawn out of you treasures that, uh, of knowledge and understanding that it, they're just inside of you because they didn't fit in any other time they're going to fit now they're going to come into relevance now boy there's going to be people that are going to hear it now hallelujah in the name of Jesus thank you Lord for that which you placed in him to come out of him in the name of Jesus you know I, I'm gonna, this is going to sound real corny but you know, there's a, there's a movie, a Kevin Costner movie called The Postman. And there was a character that came on his team. It was like an old Vietnam vet from the past that knew how to do stuff. Well, you're, you're that guy. <laughs> you are that guy. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, in my mind, when I watched that movie, I thought, that's the coolest guy in this whole movie. Thank you, he even beat out Tom Petty. I mean, it was great. <laughs> Hallelujah, sister. Thank Praise you, the Lord. Lord. Did God minister to you? Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you that what you give us, the devil can't steal it. Hallelujah. Sealed and done. Hallelujah, in the name of Jesus. We declare no fear in our life. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. No fear. Peace. Great peace. Peace. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Peace, peace, peace. Grace and peace in the name of Jesus. We speak over you. Ask God to reach down. Reach inside of you. Stir things up. Move things around. Hallelujah. You keep presenting yourself to the Lord. I'm telling you, you got his attention. He's moving. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for Pastor Annie God. 
Thank you, Father God, for the anointing to lift it up and turn it loose. Lift it up to God and leave it at the throne. To lift it up to the Lord and have him take it in the name of Jesus. Lord, use her, use her, use her, use her. Use her, use her with her words that come from the secret place. The words that come from the throne. The words in the name of Jesus that bring life. Bring comfort, bring peace. Hallelujah, in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we pray for all in her world that be kept secure, to be kept in peace, to be kept under your hand and under your care. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for this woman of God who's bold as a lion, has nothing to fear, has nothing to be concerned or worried about. Lord, if there's something to be worried about or be concerned about, you'll tell it. But Lord, all you're asking of your people is to pray, to lift up, to lift it up until it's broken, to lift it up until it's lifted. God, we thank you. He's looking at me like I'm doing something wrong. He's very serious. Thank you, Jesus, for Isaac. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, for Isaac. <laughs> Boy, he's got a look I have not seen on him. I love you. Can I pray for you in the name of Jesus? Bless him. <laughs> Boy, he did that buck, didn't he? <laughs> Woo! Woo! In Jesus' name. <laughs> oh, sister, praise God. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for this mama. Boy, there's nothing but mama coming out of every pore. Lord, we thank you for perfect peace, perfect rest as you guide in life, as you instruct, as you keep. Lord, you know how to keep what belongs to you. And Lord, there's nothing. No one, you said, can be snatched out of your hand. So, Father, I speak peace over my sister, peace over her home. Lord, I'm asking you to surround her constantly with encouragements and strengths. And, Lord, life, hope, the future. Lord, that the future is not bleak. The future is bright. The future is not turning for the worse for the people of God. It's still brighter than all that's going on around us because we have your blessing, we have your eye, we have your heart, we have your spirit, we have your promise. We stand on your word and I thank you for her in the name of Jesus. That baby is coming in to fulfill its destiny and not just come into the world that's a mess but coming into a world with a purpose because he's been fearfully and wonderfully made. Hallelujah. When I say he, I don't know if he's a he or not, but we, we is, it is it a he? Praise the Lord. Okay. I thought I better ask. <laughs> Praise God. Praise the Lord. Amen. You don't have anything to worry about, honey. Praise the Lord. You used to remember that. You got God's attention. He's watching you. He's, he's shaping you. 
Thank you, Jesus, for Raphael. You still know that you're greatly loved, don't you, brother? Man, God's got a great plan for you. Hallelujah. No fear. You know, so much has changed. But man, the moment I put my hands on you, I'm seeing some more changes are coming that are really good. In fact, there's a, there's a work going on where the Lord wants to bring you into a place. He's bringing you there where some of the struggles, some of the difficulties are going to settle down. You'll, you'll, new, you'll new level, new devil, but some of the old is settled and you're moving away and you're coming into greater peace, greater settling, uh, a greater stability, a stability as far as uh, the material, but, but uh, a stability in emotion, a stability in relation, a stability I'm going to tell you, there's people around you that, that can create some chaos. And I see the Lord reaching out to them and settling that down. And that devil being bound. Because that's a harassing spirit. It's a harassing spirit that is mad because you're where you are. And it somehow thinks it has ownership of your life, but it doesn't. You've been bought with the blood of Jesus. And I see the Lord, Lord, Lord is bringing an end to that, that mouth. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Hallelujah. He's not going to do harm to any individuals, but he's going to, he's going to cause that mouth of the lion to be quiet. He shuts the mouths of lions. Hallelujah. And I break the accusing voices that have accused you and reminded you of your past, that have tried to tell you that this is not who you are, that's what you are, trying to punish you, trying to almost like, trying to almost emotionally and verbally beat you into submission. I break that assignment against you in the name of Jesus Christ and I declare you are free. Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Am I right? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And brother, I hear the Lord saying, fear not. Step forward. You be who I made you to be. For whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord, the Bible says, shall not be ashamed. Shall not be ashamed. There is no shame in your future. Hallelujah. I declare over you freedom, my brother. And you need to know that. You are, you're, you are so loved. You are, you are in the right place. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And you know, you are, you are, uh, you are a, a very strong stabilizing force. You are not a sidekick. I want you to know that. 
I want, to, I want to declare that to you tonight. You are not a sidekick. Because there are times it's almost, well, I'm just here. But that's not, that's not accurate. You, are, you have been brought up to be a stabilizer, a strength, a support. Uh, and I'm going to tell you something. There, the, there, there, even though there are times you feel like I've had to sacrifice my needs, my desires, my goals, you haven't had to sacrifice those. Those are still in play. God has just been working the long game, and he's been bringing things around because your latter end is greater than your former. There are things in your life that you think you have lost that you have not lost. They are in the hand of God. And they're going to come around again. And when they come around again, you will have the ability to carry them. You will have the ability to carry the dreams of God that have been in your heart. Hallelujah. God has simply kept them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So don't think of yourself again as a side hustle, a side kick, or a side thing. You are not, you are not any of those things. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, I release you from all of those things. And I declare over you peace. I declare over you peace. In the name of Jesus, be blessed. Be blessed. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you for my brother. Father, bless him. No fear. Lord, I know he's not a fearful person. But Lord, I bless him. I ask you to go again. And Lord, move through his home. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'm lost already in it. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for giving him the desire of his heart. Hallelujah. Here we are. Hallelujah. You know, a little bit like Raphael, uh, I hear in the spirit that that there, the devil tries to tag you as as just controversial <laughs> or or a, a source of maybe it's some drama where there's people in your life that say, "Well, you just kind of stir the pot." You just kind of upset the apple cart because you because you're bold because you put it out there because you're you're not afraid to hold it back because you you have strong convictions and you just put them out there. I see them on Facebook. I I, I see them. I see them. But here's the deal. It really is okay to be bold in the Lord and be who you are. And you know in the arena. And the arena of, of discussion and debate, I mean, never argue with a fool. 
But boy, there are people that, that will challenge and they will talk. And it's because they're in a place of ignorance and they, they really think they have a good position, but they're, they're willing to explore the position with you. There's nothing wrong with having discussions as long as it's the realm of debate, the realm of, of discussion, the realm of, of banter. Because there are believers in your life. There are believers that you can get into discussions with that you will grow out of that relationship. You will grow because of what they can add. It's like, well, I didn't quite see that. And it will cause you to kind of adjust your position a little bit and, and grow and mature and become seasoned because the Lord uh, uh, does that in our life. He, he brings us into places where, uh, where we, we're well seasoned because we've been in places that we've worked through Hallelujah. And I see that you're working through many things like that in your life. Hallelujah. But don't back up. There have been times, I believe, that you've been tempted to kind of just clam up and just, oh, I'm just not going to get into that discussion. Or I'm not going to, I'm going to be quiet. I'm just going to be quiet because it gets me into trouble. But the Lord says, don't do that. Always be, a, be a, a child of God that, that is a peaceful child of God. Don't argue with a fool. And, and that's a hard thing for you to kind of discern. You're trying to figure out who are the real fools. <coughs> but I think you already know. <laughs> Don't argue with fools. Let your, let, let, if, if you can walk away today from anything, that's the statement you need to hear. Don't argue with fools. But it's okay in the realms of discussion and debate to discuss things with, with people who are open and they can contribute. That's how we grow as Christians. And I'm going to tell you something, that's part of the realm where Jesus said, where two or more are gathered in my name, I'm there. You can literally be in a conversation with somebody that's of a different nature, that's more of a learning and they're a Christian and they're wanting to know, but they have a perspective. You can feel and sense the presence of Jesus come into that conversation. And boy, that's what you're looking for right there. You'll grow, they'll grow, and your relationship will become stronger in the way that it needs to be. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you have a boyfriend yet? Well, how old are you? Well, it, it'll happen. <laughs> It'll happen. It'll happen. And it's going to be okay. Huh? I heard something back here. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, when, it, when, they, when he shows up, uh, let me give you some advice. Go slow. Take advice from leadership. Just go slow. Okay? But it's coming. <laughs> it's coming. Hallelujah. Because on the outside, you're like, I'm good, I'm good. But the Lord's like, no, there's something else going on here. Amen. 
Praise the Lord. Man, I thought of you all morning long when we were here ministering. Rhonda, sister, praise the Lord. I thank God for you. I remember speaking over you about a mantle on your life. Boy, you talk about wearing that mantle and the wisdom that comes with it. You are a wise woman. You really are. And you contribute. You really are like shoulders of leadership that can carry a weight. And you're not afraid to carry the weight. You're, you're not shying away from carrying the weight. And you know how to discern when people get in your ear. You know, one of the wisest things a man of God ever told me about pastoring, he said, be aware who has your ear. And what he meant by that was be aware of how, how the voices are because sometimes we're letting people talk and then we realize, I don't need to let them talk to influence the direction. You know how to not do that. You know how to balance that. And you talk about a great thing. I mean, that's a great thing. That opens the door up for so many other things where God can actually position you with that influence. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you right now, there's coming a time in this body, in this church, where you won't have to do some of the things that you're doing right now, and you'll be released into another level of, 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 of leader. There'll be, there'll be people coming. There'll be people coming that will gather around the work, and they will build and they will need people who have been there and done that to direct that. And there comes a time when you just can't do everything anymore. You have to let some things go to let others do it. You just have to give them the wisdom of your experience and you, 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 you help govern. Praise the Lord. Because you're going to spend time behind the pulpit. You're going to spend time ministering the word. Yeah, amen. I'll say not even just in this church. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So just, I would say stay steady, but you're going to anyway. Praise the Lord. I love you. Hallelujah. No fear. No fear. No, no fear. Praise the Lord. No fear in the name of Jesus. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. You keep being bold as a lion. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for this woman of God. Thank you for what she gives and pours out. It comes from a place that not many even walk in. A place of life, peace. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I've been curious how your Saturday went. Praise the Lord. Did it go good? I'm sure it did. I'm sure it did. Praise the Lord. We're very proud of you, Nikki. Praise God. I'm telling you, really honest, honest to God, when we see you, you're kind of like, y'all, you and your family are like, we've been around a long time now. And it's comforting. It's comforting. It's comforting. Hallelujah. Hi, Shelby. <laughs> you, yeah, there you go. Amen. She's a survivor. 
I didn't mean to start giving out words, but praise the Lord. We're going to pray over you. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you for this woman of God. We thank you, Lord, for so many things that you brought her through and brought her over and the things that are yet to be in her future because you are going to be faithful. Lord, life will come with some hardships. They'll come with some valleys. They'll come with some difficulties, but the Lord will deliver me out of them all. Hallelujah. 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 I see the Lord working in your life also in wisdom. Wisdom to share. Wisdom to pour out. Wisdom. And you know, sometimes you're like, well, I don't know if i am been around that much, but the truth of it is, You've been through a lot. You've been through things. And sometimes we're not even aware that there's people around us that they don't really know. And you're going to be able to share that wisdom and help them. Well, wisdom is a principal thing. It's a principal thing. It will save so many people trouble if they knew. Hallelujah. So don't be frustrated with, with the deadheads that don't listen. Don't be frustrated with people that act like they, they just don't get it because you're sowing into them, you're pouring into them, you're sharing into them, and one day the light will come on like a light bulb, and it will be because you were faithful. You might not even be around in their life, but they'll, they'll hear it. It'll, get, it'll connect, but you sowed it faithfully in the name of Jesus. I hear the Lord saying, I help you. I help you far more than you think I help you. I really do help you, and I hold you up. I carry you through, and I will keep doing it because I promised you I would do that. I promised you I would be with you. I promised you I would be with you in trouble, and I will be with you in trouble because I, the Lord, don't change my mind about you. Hallelujah. Thank you for this woman of God in the name of Jesus. I pray that the pressures and the stresses that are upon her that the grace would overwhelm it and the strength would arise beyond her ability. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hi, sister. Praise the Lord. How are you? Great. Praise God. It's good to see you. Man, awesome. You've gotten much bigger since the last time I saw you. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you so much. Thank you, Lord, for, for a release from, 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 from unnecessary pressures and stresses. I pray for a peace upon her, a peace that will reach down deep and bring healing to her insides, a healing to her heart, her mind, her life. Hallelujah. You know, the Lord says that as you start entertaining the thoughts about what am I going to do with my life? What am I really going to do with my life? The Lord says, I'm going to direct that. I'm going to present you with things. I'm going to cause people to come. People are going to present themselves to you in your life. And, uh, and they're going to be people that carry an influence. Not just any day old people, but people of influence. People that are going to be part of training and part of, 
of, of your learning, part of your ability to kind of start connecting with what am I going to do with my life. The Lord has a plan. He's prepared it. And uh, he's not going to let you miss it. You're not going to miss the plan. I just want to tell you that today. I hear the Lord saying in my heart that you are not going to miss the plan. He's got a way of getting you there and connecting you to it. And so you don't have to have a reason to stress or to worry about any of that. Just be at peace about that. But just know that, uh, that, that the Lord will lead me in there and, and expect. Put your expectors on in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. 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 Father, I speak over her peace. Speak over her blessing in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You know, I want to say this to you, uh, sister. I want to say this to you. You, you are much more intelligent than, uh, than what, what some people may think. Yeah. And the Lord's going to use it. It's going to be part of the mix. Hallelujah. And you know, he's going, to, he's going to put people in your life to develop that. Because that's actually a gift. That's actually grace. That's actually an ability and an anointing. Hallelujah. And he will, he's going to mentor that. The Lord will mentor that and develop that because he's going to use that. It'll be part of that mix of what am I going to do with my life. Hallelujah. So I just want to tell you, the Lord, praise the Lord. Is that, is that, is that right? Is that, okay, praise God. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Cynthia, praise thank God. Thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Gosh, all those years ago we met you, and I'm telling you, hallelujah, and I know you've been through it. So, Father, I pray over my sister, and I'm asking you, Lord, to do some things that only you can do. To do things, Lord, that only you can do. Because, Lord, you, you've got a plan in her life. There are things in her that God has, has put in her to be used. And I pray in the name of Jesus that no enemy is allowed to steal any of that. Hallelujah. But, Father, I'm asking you that the measures of great peace, the measures... Lord, of your mighty presence, Lord, would come upon her even greater than what she's known or that she knows that, it, that it, at any given time, I'm not alone. I have not been forsaken, that the Lord is with me and he is my light and he is my salvation. Lord, I may not understand all that has befallen, but Lord, I have my eye upon you. And Lord, you are the strength of my life. And I will not forsake you, but I will cleave to you. Even in the darkness, I will cleave to you. And I will not let you go. Hallelujah. Father, bless my sister. I pray that angels 
would just start working around her life, Lord, to begin to pull some things back together that have gotten scattered and begin to heal and mend and begin, Lord, to bring about where life is meant to go now. And Lord, that hope, hope and expectancy for my future will begin to break like the breaking of the dawn. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I speak to voices that have been talking and I declare, be quiet and speak no more. Be muzzled and leave in the name of Jesus. Many voices are trying to talk and I say no. I declare no. No more. No more talking because we're not listening in the name of Jesus. One of the ways that that enemy is talking to you is saying, if I could just figure it out. And the Lord says, no, that is not the path. I command that voice to stop talking to you because it wants to keep you in a never-ending circle that never has rest and that torments you like a vagabond of life from this point on. And I break that assignment. I declare you are not a vagabond. You are not an expendable. You are not a castaway or a throwaway or a misfit. You are not any of those things. Hallelujah. I declare over you, sister, peace, healing, rest. And the Lord says, You are loved. You are loved. You are loved. You don't feel loved right now, but you are very loved. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We bless our sister. Thank you for her. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. The line continues. <laughs> I should have I should have been looking for Carolyn. Something came on me this afternoon and so I just turned it off. I just got really sick. Oh. Really sick, huh? Yeah. All right, praise God. I believe you came to the right place today. Cuz Hilda can't be sick. You know, it is the end of the world when Hilda's sick. It is. In the name of Jesus and by the blood of the Lamb, I command this thing to turn loose of her. Turn loose of this church in the name of Jesus. We're not having flus and bugs and viruses and colds this winter. We're not going to have it. We don't allow it. We break that power in the name of Jesus and by the blood of the Lamb and declare by his stripes we were healed. We take our spiritual medicine right now. 
and declare, we're getting out of it, we're coming over it, we're coming out of it. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. So I pray that Hilda goes home tonight and gets a great night's sleep and wakes up tomorrow hungry. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. 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 I love you, Hilda. God bless you. God bless you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, I walked in front of you and I heard words that said, I heard it like a cry of your heart that said, Lord, would you just make it work? It needs to work. <laughs> it's almost like a cry for life to work like it needs to work. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I hear the Lord saying it is working. It is working. Don't turn loose. Don't change. Don't, don't change course. There's a temptation to just lessen up, lighten up a little bit of the hands-on-the-wheel aggression. And you don't need to do that. If you do that, you'll delay your blessing. If you do that, you will delay your blessing. Don't delay your, you can't, you can't shipwreck the blessing. But you will delay it for an extended period of time. That's unnecess it's unnecessary. You're almost at the breakthrough. You're almost about to step into a different flow of grace. And you need to press. That's why you're tired. That's why you've come to the end of yourself. That's why you've actually stretched out to the place where you're like, I'm not sure I've got that much more in me. But see, the Lord had it planned all along to bring you to the end of yourself because that's where he kicks in. And you know you didn't do it. He did it. Hallelujah. And your relationship with him is different in that place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. So I speak over you. It's, going to, it's working. Hallelujah. It's working. It's working. Praise God. Don't turn loose. Be careful about any course changes. Hallelujah. Because you are trying to figure out. That's the deal. See, you're trying to figure it out. You're trying to, you're doing what we all do. You're walking it out. And you're trying to, you're like at a place where you're trying to figure out, is this really working this way? Or is it, do I need, what do I, what do I, maybe. And I'm telling you, it is working. It is working. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And be, be cautious about emotionally led. Because, see, your emotions will lie. You can, you're, 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 you're kind of, if, you, if you'll allow me, if you'll allow me this. It's almost like you're looking for a mountaintop emotional experience. And you have to be careful with mountaintop emotional experiences because they'll mislead you. There is mountaintops, but it's, it's, more, it's way beyond the emotional. It's way beyond how I feel. And I'm telling you, if you will, if you will decide, I got I to gotta keep these emotions in check. I got to keep control 
and not be led by them, that will go far in helping you to live out a much stronger and more steady future. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Because I'm telling you, it's almost like bad days can come. Bad emotional swings can almost come out of nowhere. Like, like one pastor told me one time, it's like a bad, emotionally bad day. And I'm telling you, it can mislead and take you in places that it's not healthy. So you got to know that when those days come, the thing I'm looking for is not to make any decisions today except the steady right ones and wait for tomorrow. Because tomorrow I'm going to wake up and it's not going to be an emotionally bad day tomorrow. And I'll be okay. I just got to be careful about making decisions while I'm, while I'm feeling the pressure of emotions that are coming. Hallelujah. So I speak peace over you in the name of Jesus. Peace over you in the name of Jesus. And you know, don't be worried about disappointing people. Don't, don't be worried about disappointing your pastors. Don't be worried about disappointing them. You're not going to disappoint them. They're going to love you. They're going to stand with you. They've come with you this far. They're going to keep going with you. And, uh, you know, sometimes we get in a place where we, we, we feel the expectations of people to the place that torments us. Hallelujah. And so I just declare over you, don't worry about Worrying about disappointing anybody in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we pray for healing in the name of Jesus. That healing belongs to us. Hey, God bless y'all. Love y'all. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Lord, we speak peace. Peace, peace, wonderful peace coming down from the Father above. In the name of Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. I just would say this to you. That's all I'm going to say to you. You know, the Lord sees. He sees. He sees inside of you. He sees. And he's there. There are things in you that just say, I just wish you'd see me. Well, he sees you. And want you to know it in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And boy, when you're in his, under his gaze, you know, sometimes when the Lord doesn't tell you something, it's better than if he has to tell you something. So sometimes like, I just wish I'd get a word like some of these other people. Well, not necessarily. That means you're doing better than you think you are. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. He sees you. He sees you. Hallelujah. You know, you, you're living under his blessing. Doesn't always feel blessed, but I'm telling you. Huh? I'm going to tell you, see, the season's changing for you. The season's changing for you. Hallelujah. You know, the sun will shine again. Hallelujah. It won't always be rain. Hallelujah. He sees. He has promised you. Yes, he has. And I'm holding to his promise. That you do it. You do it. You do it. You do it. You absolutely do it. And you know he's not offended by that, not one bit. And he should be. That's right. I like her. Because that's how I pray. I'm telling you, I think we should really understand that about our relationship with God. Sometimes it's like, hey, this ain't right. 
I'm upset. You got to do something about this. Help me. Yes. And you know, God's not offended by any of that. It's almost like he steps in and goes, all right. Good. But I, I, I just want to tell you, he sees you. He sees you. You've got his attention. I know some things, but I was waiting to hear what you had to say. Oh, praise God. I don't know anything. Good. Well, he so sees. Amen. Yeah. I'm hanging on. He told me I'm getting babies. Well, let's, <laughs> well why don't we ask him right now? Amen. Lord, we need babies. She wants babies. The fact that she wants babies means that babies are supposed to be there. <laughs> and you know, you can give Abraham and Sarah a baby and they're whole. And you can give this couple babies. So Lord, I ask you tonight as we lay hands on on this couple, that they are anointed to get busy making babies in Jesus' name. Because, you know, we can make babies in faith. Amen. Amen. You are anointed, brother. Praise the Lord. I love you, Deb. Lord, I pray for Debbie. Peace, peace. God, thank you for doing so much. And the more is yet to come. God, we bless her. Pray over her in the name of Jesus with peace and rest in the name of Jesus. Lord, bless her and Ted and bless those pigs. Amen. Is there two pigs or one? Yeah, there's two pigs. Hallelujah. Yep, yep. <laughs> Are their names Jimmy Dean and uh, oh? No. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> Hallelujah! Praise the Lord. God bless you, sister. You love Jesus. Amen. What would you like the Lord to do for you? Praise God. How long have you been asking for that? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Hallelujah. Well, let's ask the Lord for that. Why don't you lift your hands up to the Lord one more time Thank you, Lord. and surrender. Lord, she's Thank made herself available you to you. She just said, here I am, use have me. Way, Lord. Or she's not even boxing you in and saying you have to do this or that. She's just saying, I just want you to use me. And I pray that she knows that you're using her. I'm asking you yes, to use her to bring encouragement and life, yes, and love. Yes, Lord, that she'll just come in here like a social butterfly and start floating around this church and just hug necks and greet people and just believing God that God is going to start using her right where she's at to just build and help and bless and encourage. Father, I pray that you'll wake her up in the night to pray. She promises, Lord, that if you do it, she'll yield. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, use her yes. in her life yes, to be a blessing to people around her. And, Lord, if she'll be faithful in that and make her uh, where she has increase and bring her into other things. So we yield to you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You believe it? All right. Praise God. Hallelujah, man of God. Man of God, man of God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Huh? St. Louis. St. Louis. There you go. St. Louis. St. <laughs> Louis of OKC. 
You never know. The future of winter shirts, they might have a statue out there. Well, this is a St. Louis. And... <laughs> I know. I'm kidding. That's weird. That's weird isn't it? <laughs> yeah, what Nikki needs to do is get a life-size cutout of you and put it, put it in the house somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I bet she does it now. <laughs> Lord, I ask you to bless Lewis. Lord, bless him. Lord, as he leads and guides his family, Lord, give him wisdom. Give him ability. Lord, I ask you to stir the anointing in him as an arbor bearer, as a servant, as a man of this house. Lord, he's a man of this house. He's a, he's a pillar of this house. Lord, you've called him to stand in the gap in this house. In his role, serving you and being a blessing. Father, I thank you that the men of this house will lead these young men of the house. And they will guide them up to become men of the house also. So, Lord, I thank you for him. And I thank you for blessing him. In the name of Jesus, Lord, do work in him. And that he rests on the inside. And he lives in peace on the inside. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. She has been sick for months. She hasn't she, she hasn't been able to attend. She hasn't been able to attend. It's like every every time that we're getting ready, if there's an attack that comes, or a migraines, or, or, or stomach problems, or whatever. It's the enemy. And it is. It's the enemy. That this thing is broken yeah. and that it's done with. Lord, we just lift up Lynn to you right now and ask you, Lord, to drive, drive this enemy right up out of the hidey hole and strike right at the root of the tree and deliver her and deliver this family, deliver this home. We pray right now that tonight something changes that sets her back up in the house of God. We call the assignment to the end, and we bind together in faith and declare this is over in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we rebuke this enemy. Leave her alone. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. We believe God. Amen. Hallelujah. One more. You're the last in line, brother. Yes. All right. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Can I, I'm going to pray for you like I feel led to because, you know, I watched you walk up. And I'm telling you, your mobility, it would, it would go far for greater mobility, greater movement. Because there's still things cooking in your heart. You're not finished. And, you know, the, the body is trying to say, well, we're wrapping it up. And uh, your heart is saying, but I, but I don't feel like I'm done. And you know, the Bible called, Jesus said that was a mountain. He told us to speak to mountains that are in the way of the will of God. Because you know, I believe that when we're done, we know it. And when the body just fights and rebels and breaks down and all kinds of things, well, we need to trust God for some kind of a move there. In the name of Jesus. So... So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for this couple. I pray for my brother and ask you to touch him physically in his body. Lord, we speak to this like a mountain, and we command the mountain to move. We declare that you'll touch him 
and all through his body, things will begin to realign. Metabolism will kick up to meet the passion of the heart. And that a readjustment can be made. Or that you'll grow things back up in this spine and in these hips. And that you'll, you'll fix the padding in there and stretch it out, Lord, where there's not a hindrance. And the aches and pains and difficulties will begin to leave. They'll begin to melt. They'll begin to disappear. Lord, to match the mobility of his heart in what you are calling and speaking and laying upon them to do. Lord, they are faithful to pray. They're faithful to walk with God. They're faithful to live in the light of the Lord. And Father, you've called them to this place to be servants, to sit under this ministry, but also be servants in this house. So Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for them. Yes, Lord. In Jesus' name. We pray over them today in Jesus' name. No fear, no fear, no fear. I don't think y'all have fear over any of the future, but we just speak that over you anyway. Praise the Lord. Do you ever feel like you dream dreams from God? Yeah, well, I see that. So, and do you write them down? Good, praise God. It's very important to write them down. Because they come back around as they start unfolding. And it's really good to kind of be fresh in that. Good, that's good faithfulness. Well, then keep doing that. Some of those things you, you, you really probably ought to bring to pastor and just say, hey, I just want you to know I, I dreamed this. And I'm just letting you, letting you know. And you do with it what you want. Because I think that there will be some things that will be, be really important that it will bear witness in his spirit that will strengthen him and his decisions that he's making too. Not all things will be made public, but some things will sure bring great encouragement to the man of God. And then sometimes he'll say, hey, I think the body would, would needs to hear that. And you just share the dream in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Praise God. I love that. I, I appreciate that. In Jesus' name. I love you guys very much. Pastor Annie, or, or Pastor Tyler, praise God. However y'all want to do it. Amen. Thank you, Lord. There's like four or five of us left here. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. We're going to have to tell everybody that this was the service where Winner's Church passed out $1,000 checks to everybody that remained at the end of service. <laughs> Amen. Now, I'll just pray over us. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done tonight. Lord, I just pray you continue as we go out of here to pour your spirit out on us. Use us, lead us, and guide us by your spirit, Lord. Reveal your truth to us all the time. Lord, we thank you for all that you are doing, all that you've done, and all that you're going to do. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. We have